Oh, hello again. I'm the Velvet Snatch, and this is Oh, Little Girl, where I talk you through the latest week of the Newcastle Drag Idol Competition 2020. Now, uh, I was incredibly busy speaking to the audience and performers, as well as taking notes and things throughout the night, and... So sadly, my tragic excuse for a sister Velcro was allowed to roam around unchecked. I apologise profusely to anyone that had to deal with her while I was away, and to poor photographer Louise that had to snap some pictures of the weird bitch before she'd leave her alone. <laughs> anyway, last week we had the end of the opening heats and saw 15 kings and queens win their way through to the main competition. We're in the thick of it now. And this is where contestants are truly challenged. This week, the contestants had been given a single week to prepare an outfit, a track, and a performance for the theme of Decades, where each contestant had been given a specific decade from the 1950s through to the 1990s to theme their routine around. This week, also, we were joined by guest judge and well-known UK queen Mother Tucker. I got a chance to speak to her while everything was still getting started. I'm here with the wonderful Mother Tucker. Hey, Velvet Bitch. <laughs> How are you doing? We haven't spoken to you in a while since we had you on Girl. 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 Um, when was that? A long I have time no ago. idea. The last time a we did an episode, so probably decades ago. A long time ago. I've been uh, yeah, stupidly busy, but hey-ho. Yeah, that's it, because you've been touring with the club kids. Yes, um, it was, what was it? It was Bob and Monet, then DragCon, then Comedy, then Katia, and then Latrice next week, so. Name drop, name drop, name drop. <laughs> so this week you're the guest judge. Yes. And how does that make you Finally. Yeah. Finally. How, how many years have you been waiting um, for that call? Too many, <laughs> too many. But obviously they recognize talent now. You know, a lot of guest judges before have been previous contestants, previous winners, whereas uh -huh. you're one of the like most famous people on the scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, infamous. One of the most infamous people on the scene who hasn't actually been a yes, contestant. Yes, I've never entered Drag Idol. Yeah? How do you feel about the competition? Like, in I, love dra I love Drag Idol. I absolutely fucking love it. Um, I'm very grateful that I never had to enter because I don't think I could fucking do it. Like, six weeks of like coming up with a new routine in seven days. Performance, outfit, props, everything. I'm so, so grateful I never had to do it. It's, it's, it's weird, I've got like PTSD, like Teresa, <laughs> PTSD this, uh, this week because we had people on Facebook being like, like on a Wednesday being like, I'm not sure what to do for my number and you're like, it's fucking Wednesday. The thing is though, it's like they had months to prepare the first week. Yeah. So they had months to prepare and they've got seven days now to prepare this routine for tonight. So tonight's mm -hmm. gonna be really interesting. Like if you remember last year, the ones who were best in show, got kicked out week two. Oh, yeah, um, Ariola. Ariola, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tonight's going to be interesting, to say the least. Mm. I hope I just don't get too drunk. <laughs> I don't know. I think the audience would probably appreciate <laughs> what kind of conversation we Glad to just say it, saying every time mother's mean, you have to do a shot. Like, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to fall. I might survive it. No, um, so the theme this week is decades. Decades. Is that one that has ever been done before? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. But if no one, if anyone's got 50s and they don't do Eartha Kit, I am demanding a refund. <laughs> I am demanding a fucking refund. Because Eartha Kit is the most iconic 50s singer. Like, she's the ultimate Catwoman. And like, if no one does Eartha Kit, I will kick the fuck off. Also, bizarrely, I was just talking the other day to a friend about 
how she got a revival with like the Emperor's New Groove. Yeah, like, she's one of the best casting yeah, yes, definitely, ever. definitely. Like I fucking love Eartha Kit. Um, so if no one does it, I will be livid. Well, fingers crossed. And look, thank you so much for uh, speaking thank to you, me. Thank you, Velvet. I love you long time. Suki suki no dollar. <laughs> that racist. Now, as Mother points out. This is not an easy competition. I've got to discuss the importance of this week with two avid fans of the competition before going in and catching the show myself. Yeah, I was here last week and uh, it was amazing. The amount of show, the amount of talent this year is absolutely fantastic. This week, I feel like we're going to see their true characters, especially that they have to be inventive, they have to be creative with their ideas, especially how it's going back in decades. So they have to put in an amount of research, amount of knowledge that they're going to have to do is absolutely phenomenal. And a lot of people have decades that are out of their usual style. Definitely. Yeah. It's going to be out the comfort zone and it's going to bring something new to the stage that perhaps yeah. we haven't seen out the contestants this, this year. This is the first week where it really cuts the thin from the thick because yeah. they had months to prepare for the first performance, but they didn't even know what was coming this week. Up first, we had Claudia Gabor with the 1950s. Now, she went for an angle I was never expecting, uh, channeling regal realness for the royal coronation. Great spoken word sections of young Liz herself, and bringing it into the modern day with God Save Our Queens, and a rainbow Union Jack-style flag. It was oddly patriotic. Uh, she oozed confidence, and there was never a moment when all eyes weren't on her, except for a hilarious section where she pulled a toy corgi onto stage with a garland of flags uh, and started swinging it around, uh, firing the poor puppy up into the rafters. I fucking howled, and while it couldn't have been intentional, Claudia took it in a stride as though it was the plan all along. The judges loved it, commenting on how expressive her face is, how campus tits the performance was. It was a very strong number to start the night off to. Next up, we had Tesco. Now, I'd heard this performance in advance, as I'd provided some voices for it again, and I was a bit, what the hell is this going to look like on stage? Uh, well, I'm glad to say it was worth the wait, and absolutely hilarious. The, the setup was the same as last week, with Tess coming on stage to scan items at a checkout scanner prop, uh, but then expanding on the routine by having her be sent back in time to the 1960s, and... Ahem, uh, assassinate JFK. Yes, you heard that right. Once again, this is a routine you'll probably have to see to believe by watching the full show when it airs on YouTube later this week. I will be honest and say that I felt there was more mistakes in this performance than in a previous one. Uh, a lot of timing was missed and there were moments where it felt like something else was supposed to happen. I don't know if it was. I think this may have just been nerves though. The audience and judges adored it and laughed throughout. The look of, oh my fucking god, she's actually going there on Mother Tucker's face when an extra dressed as JFK walked onto the stage said it all. As Rusty put it, that was controversial and clever. You are one fucked up bitch. Speaking of fucked up bitches, I finally got a chance to interview Rex Uranus as the performers were arriving for the night and more importantly, before she'd got to Mary. Here's what she had to say. Right, so Rex Uranus, how, how are you I? feeling tonight? Um, I'm like really, 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 really excited, but also really, really, really nervous. Hmm. But I'm just going to have a good time. Yeah. Whatever the outcome. That's it. I mean, uh, what decade did you get? I got the 50s. 50s, yeah. are you excited for it? Thing, my advantage is I love old music. I absolutely love old music. So I was chuffed when I got it, but obviously, if I got the 90s or something or the 60s, 
Oh, I could have done some things with them, but 50s yeah. is just equally as fabulous. Were there any, like, it sounds like you could have done anything with anything. Like, uh, were there any decades you were scared about? Um, not really, because, like, there's so many... I'm, I, I'm, I'm quite young, but I'm not. Like, yeah. I'm, like I've got so many old vinyls and that, and, like I said, vinyls and, and old music is my thing. So I would have just... I pick a song, and that's how I come up with stuff. That's it. So when you build your routines, is it like you have a... A vocal song and then you kind of work from there yeah that's what i did for this one so i'm not going to tell you the song obviously yeah. but like um i went i'm doing this song definitely and i'm doing it around about this like concept i was like yeah we're fine and i built on that from there yeah how do you feel about how you did in week one well, I did good because obviously I came first, but like I wasn't <laughs> expecting it, if I'm honest. I was just like, I'm, I'm still in that mentality of, I'm here to have fun, I'm gonna give the audience a little bit of fun as well. They can see I'm having fun on stage. Who was your favorite in week two? Oh, well, week one, part two. Oh, week one, part um, <laughs> I, Claudia, I loved, I loved how, because I was singing that for ages. <laughs> like last week I was like, Claudia. Claudie, I was doing a little dance there, I don't know, obviously the audio, yeah. And then I love Tragedy's one. But no, it's been great speaking to you, uh, and I hope you do well today. Oh, thank you. Scarlett Johansson was up next, presenting the 1970s in a stunning flowing white pantsuit and Farrah Fawcett blonde bombshell wig. Sitting down at the side of the stage to Abba's Gimme 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 before getting interrupted by a dodgy mobile ringtone and a call from a boyfriend, leading it to some very well-received legally blonde You're breaking up with me? quotes. The song changed to a dance remix of Dolly Parton's Jolene, where she singled out Judge Penny T as the one who was stealing her man before pulling a gun out on her. The performance ended with a gunshot and Abba's money, money, money and Scarlett firing a money gun into the audience. It was a nice performance overall, um, but sadly it was let down by a lot of noticeable mistakes. Actions happening too early, marks being missed. Personally, I felt the opening section where she was sitting at the side of the stage could have done with a bit more movement and it was a bit too far from the judges, so mm, never a good idea. Perhaps if the table was centre stage, then it could have been used later for other stuff or such. Mother uh, chastised her on performing to the judges too much, uh, and not the audience, saying that she didn't really get the story. Scarlett looked amazing, though, and I feel it was very unlucky for her to have come after two very strong performances. Probably the dumbest performance of the night came next. Representing the 1980s, Anita Queen came on with a sequined microphone and black gown to Spando Ballet's gold. When she threw off the gown to reveal a gold dress beneath, a few of us in the audience started getting Vietnam-style flashbacks of a certain returning Queen's ill-fated live performance in week one of Drag Idol last year. A voiceover announces, It was at this moment Anita knew she'd fucked up. And to cheers from the audience, drag queen Ola Dis from last year stormed onto the stage in the same rose gold dress. A catfight breaks out with Anita eventually getting the upper hand and lip-syncing to Ola's now infamously plagued with technical issues version of gold. It was hilarious. Even for members of the audience that didn't get the inside gag, there was still a lot of slapstick humour and a story to follow. The judges gave high praise, with Miss Penny T and Mother getting all the references and living for it, and Rusty, who hadn't seen last year's competition, loving the look. Anita used comedy really effectively in her routine. It's not the easiest thing to do. 
In fact, after the show was done, I managed to grab a few words with a very talented local queen, not particularly known for a comedy, but a big fan of it, drag idol royalty and all-stars winner, Miss Layla Sphinx, to ask her what she was thinking of the competition so far. I'm here with the delightful Layla Sphinx. Hello. Yeah. What did you think of tonight? I thought it was amazing. I thought it was really good. For me, a queen who doesn't usually do comedy, I preferred the comedic numbers. Mm. Like, I really love like the comedy. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes it's um, like too easy to just kind of waltz around and dance around, and especially when it comes to struggle, you have like three minutes to make an impression. Yeah. Especially because now every year there's so many contestants, like you have to push the ball out and you have to make yourself known. Yeah. So so far from the competition, who's been your favourite? I mean, I was super surprised by Tesco. Fucking loved Tesco. Amazing. I think we all were. Yeah. Wow. I'm so happy that my sister tragedy is back in the competition. Like, oh my god. Um, the professionalism as well. Yeah. Like when I was watching a number, I was just like, you see such a difference between the other performers, and you oh, just yeah. go, wow, she knows what she's doing. Yeah. I felt that with Anita as well. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah, Anita too. Anita was amazing. You can definitely tell the queens. You can tell the difference between the queens who this is their very first time. And then those who are really out there, like for the competition, that like, you see a difference instantly as soon as they walk out on stage. Do you think it affects the how they perform? Um, I mean, so like a piece of advice that someone gave me a very long time ago is, if you sell it, they'll buy it. So if you go out on stage and you sell it, the audience will buy it. If they're not confident, the audience won't like it. I think as soon as you step out with confidence, the audience prefer you so much more instantly, instantly. Yeah. Are there any, like, would you like to say any of the ones that you don't think will make it through to week three? Um, I can't remember their names. <laughs> I think that says it all. <laughs> oh my God. No, no, sorry, like, is there any advice? True though, I can't. <laughs> Leila doesn't do comedy, sorry. I, I think it's like, uh, is there any advice that you give the performers this year? Um, just stay confident. Confidence is key. Yeah. It's just confident. Like, go out there and on the stage. Like, yeah. If you're going to, like, will and be this tiny little thing, the audience aren't going to buy it. So, yeah, go out with confidence. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Thank you so much, Leila. Thank Thanks. you. <laughs> Roxy Tricks was up next, bringing us into the 1990s with Shania Twain's Man, I Feel Like a Woman. Uh, a track that many queens, including myself and bizarrely Mother Tucker, uh, have cut their teeth to. This was a very old school performance, no real story or song changes to speak of, but a beautiful outfit and a sexy reveal into a full homage of the song's music video. Roxy used the stage well and addressed and engaged the audience throughout. For a performance with very few twists and turns, she managed to hold attention well and demonstrated her strength and confidence as a drag performer. Mother addressed the elephant in the room by saying that it lost a bit of energy as it went on. Taking us back to the 1950s, Tragedy stepped onto the stage in probably my favourite outfit of the night, a black and white chiaroscuro polka dot housewife outfit, reminiscent of Betty Boop or her more tongue-in-cheek pastiche in, what was that cartoon called? Um, Drawn Together, an adult cartoon. Tragedy brought the self-awareness and sass that we had been missing from the night so far, Using spoken word sections that were fairly difficult to hear at times due to volume levels, she brought us through a World of Tomorrow story with her subjugated housewife character learning about upcoming new inventions and how they'll change the world. This was incredibly clever. 
involving the judges with a hilarious mute button gag with a remote control, producing cheers from the audience when she came for fellow contestants Jasmine Dick, Tesco, Tony the Doll with various visual gags. It was a very clever number, delivered with the cutting charisma we know to expect from tragedy and performed with a deceptively easy precision. The judges loved it and gave tragedy the opportunity to point out that, as an added depth, all the inventions that she mentioned in the routine were actually pioneered in the 1950s. This was probably my performance of the night, as it had everything and, yeah, the professionalism that we've come to expect from a Drag Idol alumni. Karma Valentine was up next, and I guess, rather unfairly, we were expecting a lot from her following her amazing week one performance. The outfit was stunning, uh, with Karma strutting out in a metallic gold spacesuit, reminiscent of the era and also the final costumes of Riff Raff and Magenta from the iconic movie The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, Karma lip-synced us through RuPaul's To The Moon, with some absolutely astonishing feats of movement and dance, but if I'm honest, it all fell a bit flat. Uh, the judges had been given pieces of paper to hold up that included phrases like a star, uh, black hole and the moon, but any joke kind of got lost through a lack of timing or clarity on if the terms were meant to be self-referential to each judge or related to the song somehow. There were spoken word story sections, but these were kind of jarring and felt forced, like like Karma would have preferred to just dance away to the song, but felt like she needed to shoehorn a plot in there. The audience response was lukewarm compared to what we'd seen for previous performers of the night, and the judges were fairly harsh, uh, Rusty describing her as a life-sized Barbie doll, and that the performance was a bit too jumbled for her and lost its way. Another of our week one top three was up next, and I'm going to be honest, after seeing and working with her quite a bit since Drag Idol last year, this was my favourite routine I've seen Cher Noble do, and demonstrated her versatility as a performer. The routine starts off where we've got an extra sitting at a table centre stage, and Cher struts on in a PVC waitress outfit to Donna Summer's hot stuff, and the two go into a great give-and-take dance routine, ending in Cher going into a spoken word stand-up section about how men are like cats and women are like dogs, while her extra rudely falls asleep at the table. Angrily, Cher screams him awake and the track changes to fellow 70s classic, You're So Vain. My favourite part was when Cher stepped off stage only to return with a plate of chips and proceed to brandish them as if to angrily throw them at her lover, only to turn and casually present them to Judge Penny T to much laughter from the audience. This was a very strong number and while I'd heard the finished track ahead of time, it was great seeing how it all came together as a performance. Rusty loved it, uh, complimenting Cher on keeping entirely in her era and the clever use of props. Penny was just happy to be fed. One thing I should probably point out to listeners that aren't familiar with Drag Idol is that um, each of the regular judges tends to look for different things in a performance. Penny T comes from a dance background and will often focus on the movement and usage of the stage, so impressing her in a number with choreography is no mean feat. We had a noticeable and welcome change of pace next. Crystal P. Enigma enters the stage, channeling 80s Madonna realness. I caught up with Crystal before the show to ask how she was feeling. Hello, I'm here with the wonderful Crystal P. Enigma. Hello. Yes, how are you feeling? Good. Yeah, are you excited for your performance tonight? Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I will let you know if I die on stage. Um, other than the risk of death, should be fun. Yeah. 
Now, uh, obviously, we've got to talk about what happened last week, because I was not necessarily harsh, but I was a bit kind of like, what the hell was that all about in your performance? Like, would you like to, like, explain your performance last week? And... Uh, yes, in a nutshell, because um, I like to call myself the most pretentious artist you will ever see, and <laughs> everything I do, I could easily write 2,000 word essay on. How I did my dissertation in 5,000, I don't know. Um, but basically, it was reclaiming the word bitch. I've always been called a bitch. It's not necessarily a bad thing, being a diva, bitch, etc., etc. Mm. So let's do it. Let's make it nice and camp. Show a bit of camp side of me, a bit of the dancey side, which went a bit messy, but we'll not talk about that. Um, and yeah, judges seemed to like it. So, but it worked. Yeah. You got through to the next round. Yep, it was most, it was very close because I was watching. I remember um, I was the very last one, and as people were going, I was just like, oh no, stop, <laughs> stop being so good. <laughs> and then Frida comes out of nowhere, and then just becomes a lip sync assassin. It's like, ah, great, fantastic. Even more competition. <laughs> I didn't know it was competition. What decade did you get? I got 80s, which. I wasn't super happy with. When I found out we didn't get to choose the decades, my first thought was anything but 80s. <laughs> yeah. Because it's so over... I mean, find a drag queen who hasn't done an 80s mix of some sort. Yeah. So I was like, great, now I need to find something original that I won't get the critique of, it's been done before. One thing I've realised with me is whenever anyone's critiqued my performances at all, the biggest compliment they've given me has been my acting. So I'm yeah. still doing a little bit of dancing this week, but I'm more acting through movement than dance. And then the rest of it is pretty much entirely acting based with very minimalistic movement. So playing to my strengths, yeah. but keeping it a bit weird and conceptual, because last week I don't feel like I didn't show as much weird as I can do. Mm. So I thought I'll find a nice balance this week of being really weird, but with a touch of old school. And hopefully it works. I love the idea, so hopefully it judges do. Now the performance. Wow. This was a powerful performance, and I reckon you should all watch it for yourselves on YouTube by searching for Drag Idol 2020 and finding it on Chris Howe's channel. I'll give a warning here, though, for the squeamish. This was a routine. Crystal used her performance to address the AIDS crisis that ravaged the LGBT community and the world as a whole throughout the 1980s. Many of the audience were shocked and had to look away as a doctor walked onto the stage and proceeded to staple wires into Crystal's flesh as she performed. The symbolism for the stigma against gay people was incredibly strong throughout this number as Crystal picks up a newspaper to find it dripping blood as she opens it. Mother Tucker was the perfect judge to have been present for such a performance, addressing the sheer power of the message and proclaiming it as her performance of the night. While Rusty and Penny were equally full of praise, there was caution with Rusty calling Crystal a crazy bitch and that she didn't really need to staple herself. Personally though, having gone through Vampus Tits with 2019 winner Ivy and that level of performance, I think it's a small price of pain to pay to help emphasise the suffering of our community throughout the AIDS crisis. Frida Safik was up next with a very unexpected number. Following on from her female empowerment message from week one, part two, Frida focused her 90s performance on LGBT icon and pioneering gay frontrunner in television, Ellen DeGeneres. This was another powerful performance, with Frida lip-syncing to songs and speech sections from news reports and characters lambasting the gay actress, even going so far as to have a sound clip from Mother Tucker herself. This felt a bit long for me, but there was a passion in the way that Frida delivered her lines, the importance of Ellen's decision to come out on a young gay woman. The performance culminated in Frida stripping off her jacket to reveal a t-shirt emblazoned with the word dyke, to mass cheers from the crowd. There was a standing ovation from Judge Penny T, with the judge declaring, You have brought it again. I got to speak to Frida before she went on to discuss both how to pronounce her name correctly, 
and how she was feeling in the run-up to her performance. Yeah, I'm here with the wonderful Frida Safik. No, uh, Frida, Frida Safik. Frida Safik. Yes. Oh, wow. Well, I'm here with a delightful Frida Safik. There you are. Oh, uh, yeah. How are you feeling? Grand, lovely, brilliant, ecstatic. <laughs> are you happy with how last week went? I am actually. It was really weird because I genuinely didn't. I just don't. I, it was very much a blur. And then when the video came out, I was like, okay, that's how I did. I completely <laughs> forgot what happened. Completely forgot. I think that's the thing. I think a lot of the time you kind of come off stage and you're like, and big, you know, people are clapping. You're like, oh, was that all right? Yeah, like, yeah. No, no, just an entire room of people are Literally. just sort of being really nice. Yeah. But like, are you being nice or um, did I genuinely do that well? And I was like, okay, fine. Yeah, that's yeah. Fine. I mean, we a lot happier seeing it back. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I know what I did. I know what I did, and I can look at it and go, okay, I need. I can't do that as much, and maybe work on that, yeah. and you know. Yeah. What decade have you got this week? 90s. 90s. Oh, has that been a difficult Everybody. one? Everybody. Um, <laughs> oh, I mean, listen, the 80s, are, there's no good songs in the 90s. No offence. There's no good songs. <laughs> I really, like, I could not find one single song that I genuinely could dance to because they're all very laid back. And so, oh, I would find a song and I'd go, oh, this is amazing. It would be like 1989 or 2001. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... I eventually found one, and I was like, this works, it's fine, it's good. And I eventually found a theme that I felt really passionate about. And how do you feel about, like, how shocked everyone was that you were in the competition? Oh, my God. Literally, the only people that knew was Anamorphic, Peaches, and then Scott from Bad Way Day. Did Scott, Scott know? Scott knew. Oh. Scott ended up slipping up to Michael, calling him out right now. Absolute idiot. Neither of them told me. But... I feel like <laughs> Betrayed, so, guys. Scott knew, and then tragedy ended up seeing a message from Chris Howe on my phone and going, yeah. "I know." And then Dick <laughs> ended up cutting it on, and I was like, "Well, listen, might as everyone might as well know." And then I think it was as soon as I got off stage, everyone was so gagged, yeah. and I was like, "I just love surprises. It's fun. It's wow. so fun." No, thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you, oh. Velvet. Love you very much. Frida Safik. Frida Safik. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Next up. The winner from Drag Idol Week 1, Part 1. Rex Uranus took us back to the 50s with an amazing jailhouse rock number. Being led on in a striped prison uniform by drag father Baron LeVay as an evil ex-jailer, a part he plays fairly well, Rex was put into handcuffs before being read his sentence. As soon as he was alone, he broke into Elvis's jailhouse rock and dressed up to a leather jacket, shades and 50s gelled back hair. Now, I didn't realise during the performance, until the judges pointed it out later, that this outfit was a very good Johnny Depp crybaby homage. Then it was shower time, Rex being put into a rainbow towel and then the song switching to a hilarious Rock the Boat, Drop the Soap parody. Now, this wasn't as clean cut as Rex's first performance, with a few parts visibly going a bit awry, but Rex worked around them, not drawing attention to them and not missing a cue throughout, which Rusty praised him for. Mother was probably the harshest of the judges, calling Rex out on an over-reliance on props and how she'd like to see him strip it back a little bit. One of the biggest surprises from the previous week was on after Rex had left the stage. This was one that I was really looking forward to, as genocide had been given the 60s as a decade, and I was more than a little curious to see how she'd approach it. 
My question was answered as Genocide enters in a psychedelic flower-children dress and fluffy pink jacket, strutting her stuff across the stage before a big, bearish police officer, played by former contestant Max Ismo, walked on and attempted to apprehend her. Not having any of this, uh, Genocide gives him the dressing down he deserves, revealing rainbow body paint and a leather harness under his police gear. I wondered whether this was intended to represent the underlying gay repression that we see in a lot of homophobia. Switching up to the Prodigy's Firestarter, the two of them proceeded to riot before going into a live mic section and a metal version of Here Comes the Sun. Genocide strips her dress off to reveal the words gay power scrawled on her belly before making out with Max under a rainbow flag. The audience admittedly seemed fairly baffled throughout, as it was fairly intense, uh, but many cheered along and loved it. Penny was speechless, pointing out that the show had never really had anything quite like that before. Genocide had an opportunity to explain the Stonewall Riots theme of her performance, and Mother proclaimed the performer the Beth Ditto of drag, and that she loved the body empowerment throughout. Rusty summed it all up by pointing out that Genocide really doesn't give a shit. I got to speak to the lady of the moment herself afterwards to ask how she felt her performance had gone. Genocide, how did you feel it went? I think it went rather well. Yeah. Being very humble about myself because I don't want to jinx myself. <laughs> But uh, we were myself and Max Esmo. Max Esmo helped me on stage uh, because I wanted. Well, every other performer I see is a twink out of drag, and let's be honest, skinny bitches can fuck off. <laughs> Sorry, dear. I think that was it. The body positivity in it was like absolutely amazing. Like, it was yeah. kind of seeing both of you and just being like, "Yep, that's it." That you know, people need to see that. They need yeah, yeah. To, you know, see that. Fuck what you look like. You know, just live. <laughs> I mean, like, I was born with an extra chromosome, so I have 47 XXY. That makes you an X-Man, doesn't it? You know? It makes me a unicorn. <laughs> Scotland's national animal. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you're gonna have a skinny burst being very skimpy and this and the next thing, but there's nothing there. You need something that's gonna jiggle, something that's gonna give movement, excitement. Well, I think that's it, I think the judges, like, you know, liked that you brought something very new to the competition. Yes. Could you tell us about what the routine meant? So, um, I got the 60s, and from there I decided to do the Stonewall Uprising, uh, which is when the police raided the Stonewall Inn in Greenwich Village in New York City, and that's when the gay liberation movement happened to give us the rights that we have today. A lot of people don't realise that that movement happened because of trans individuals. And I wanted to make that statement by using Sylvia Rivera's speech from the 1972 Gay Liberation March in New York City. Yeah. Granted, it was from 1972, but I still kept in the 60s theme. <laughs> but from there, I wanted to use songs that were from the 60s. So I used You Don't Own Me, but I found a punk version that gave me the emphasis to be a battle of the policeman that was Max Esmo. Yeah. To strip off during the prodigy, to be like, this is the uprising, we're going to change everything, we demand our rights, and to come on to Here Comes the Sun saying, the sun is now coming out, we're getting our rights, we deserve this, we need to fight for equality. Next, it was Jasmine Dick. Now, after a week of social media speculation of will she, won't she, in regards to dropping out of the competition, Jasmine walked onto the stage to huge cheers from the audience. The song was Sweet Transvestite, but... In all honesty, did it matter? The audience love and support for Jasmine was so great that she could have come on mouthing to television static, and she 
probably have been more successful at it, and the audience wouldn't have cared. This was more a performance about overcoming the stress and nerves of public performance. Midway through, there was a sight-of-stage assisted reveal before going into fellow Rocky Horror number The Time Warp. Jasmine's outfit kind of fell apart to many cheers from the audience as they followed along with the dance steps while the toilet paper padding fell out of Jasmine's bra and littered the stage. The audience were chanting her name by the end and there were standing ovations from Mother and Penny T and a bow from Rusty, the latter describing Jasmine's performance as the drag that goes wrong. I'm going to be honest, at times I don't get the colossal appeal of Jasmine and I have slight trouble understanding how a queen as messy as her can do so well in a competition such as Drag Idol. So I asked some of the audience to explain to me the appeal of a performer such as Jasmine Dick. Jasmine! You've got to be fearless doing it. You've got to be fierce doing it. You've got to be able to go out there and perform it. And she really did everything to perform it and give the audience what they want. I want Jasmine to win. I want Jasmine to win so that every queen in the UK stops competing with each other and realises there's room for us all. Now, it was always going to be tough to follow up such a performance, but Franny gave it a try bringing us to the 1980s with a great idea for a performance, childhood classic The Neverending Story. A lot of people's favourite childhood film, and to be honest, who hasn't had a wank during the scene when Artex dies? Just me? Oh. Bringing on the craziest prop of the night, a cardboard falcor with moving mouth and tail, <laughs> Franny took it away. Um, <sighs> Being honest, this performance was sadly a bit of a mess. The prop kind of fell apart over the course of the performance. There was a guy with a horse's head that I assume was representing the death of Artex, but I wasn't sure. The story it was trying to tell was very jumbled, and the spoken word sections and film quotes were not brilliantly edited. I couldn't hear a lot of what was going on. Wonderfully tongue-in-cheek, though, following the previous performance, Franny had even had a jokey voiceover announcing the winner of Drag Idol 2020 to be Jasmine Dick, which naturally elicited more cheers from the audience. It's fair to say that the judges hated it. They were probably the harshest they've been in the competition so far, with Miss Penny pointing out that she loved the movie but hated what Franny had done with it, and Rusty saying that she loved the start but then it got a bit lost. Finally, we had the return of Tony the Doll with the 90s. Very strong outfit with an eye-watering green motif throughout. This was a very active number with plenty of dance moves and cartwheels thrown in, uh, with the wig staying on this time. Um, cycled through a lot of classic 90s songs with Backstreet Boys and Britney in the mix, uh, along with Kellis Milkshake, which I, I don't think was 90s? Hmm, not sure, I think that was in the 2000s. There was a nice bit of self-referential humour as she brought on the now infamous wig from the previous performance and then threw it off the stage in disgust. Overall, this was an average number. Not really what I enjoy from a drag performance and slightly eclipsed by a lot of the amazing performances that we'd already seen throughout the night. So, that was your lot. While the judges deliberated, I followed a clump of the audience to the rooftop terrace to ask them who'd been their favourite performer of the night. Either Tesco or Tragedy. Mainly Tragedy. Tragedy had me howling. I think they were really clever how they did the 50s. It was like the whole static radio and they'd go through the TV and talk about the inventions. Like, that was really smart of them to do that. Yeah. Tragedy. Frida Safik. Frida Safik. Yeah. Frida was very clever and I enjoyed it. Gloria. 
it's different. You think someone will come on with the, like with the fifties, obviously, but you think someone will come on with like someone from like a sci-fi or something like that? Queen Queen's Coronation. That was amazing. Jasmine. 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 Definitely Jasmine Dick. Do you know what it is? Like, it's the way she acts. Like, she's got 100% confidence. I just love her. Yeah. I hope she gets through in the next round. Tesco. Tesco. Tony. Come, Valentine. Now comes the part where I have to warn you about spoilers. The judges had made their decision, and all the performers were led back onto the main stage as it was announced that we had a three-way tie for best performance, with Tragedy, Crystal P. Enigma and Tesco being gifted with tickets to see Drag Race royalty Latrice Royale, thanks to Mother Tucker. Then, the less fun part, where we lost not one, but three of our contestants in one foul swoop. Scarlett Johansson, Karma Valentine and Franny, were bid adieu as the judges closed up the competition for another week. I got to speak to Franny afterwards to see how she felt. Okay, I'm here with the wonderful Franny. Now, Hi, love. How do you feel about your performance tonight? Uh, to be honest, I wasn't as happy. I had fun, though, but I knew it could have been a lot better. Yeah, I mean, the, the theme was amazing. Like, you know, you could see in everyone's eyes when you did Never Ending Story, everyone was like, oh, I know, I played to the nostalgia. I'm a 90s baby, but I grew up with older brothers, so I love movies like uh, Never End of Story and Labyrinth and things like that. Yeah. I didn't really have a routine. Like, I know I had 80s, and uh, I thought I'll go for a movie that I like from the 80s, yeah. and I'll just play it around that. So, honestly, like, I made my prop, it failed me, and I know the prop isn't the whole thing, but like, I wish it went a lot better. And I know it wouldn't have got me further, but I'm just more disappointed in myself that like, even if the prop worked, I would have been a lot happier. So I can drop the mouths to my falcon. <laughs> I walked on with the falcon, ready for the mouth to move, and I left it down off stage. Oh, no. So it's fine. Oh, what did the tail move the mouth? No, so the tail was made of wire, and the yeah. mouth was basically a pitchfork that I moved inside the box. <laughs> but I dropped it. It's fine. It's fine. It, yeah. it wouldn't have affected the judge anyway. Uh, sorry, the judge's decision, but. I would have felt a lot better if it made more sense because I'm there on stage flapping them out saying, why is there no mouth? Why is there no mouth? I was literally looking around saying, where's the mouth? And people who didn't realise were like, what do you mean, where's the mouth? I'm like, where's the mouth? Where's the mouth? What, what can uh, listeners, like, where can they find you? I, I live in Leeds. Um, I'm not really a queen. I literally just do it as a hobby. Yeah. Um, I'm full-time as a one of the managers at Slug and Lettuce in Leeds. Yeah. Um, I just literally do this as a hobby. Um, I do more drag probably outside of Leeds. For example, Grand Canaria Pride, Benidorm Pride, yeah. um, Wakefield Pride, Benidorm Pride, uh, sorry, uh, Black Bull Pride. I just love drag. Drag is fascinating to me. I worked six and a half years in a drag bar as a barman and witnessing it as a very closeted like gay guy I just wanted to be a part of that so my Instagram is f90 underscore paint and that's my drag slash prosthetic slash fuckery with makeup Instagram page. <laughs> now it's very tough for any performer to leave the competition so early on so I got to catch up with and speak to two of my fellow drag idol alumni from last year all of this and Penny Press to ask them if they had any advice for our three outgoing queens. So I'm here with the wonderful Ola Dis and Penny Press, who uh -oh. were contestants last year in Drag Idol. Today we've had our first eliminations from the competition, and you know both of you were unlucky enough not to make it. 
through like you know week one of the competition last year. I like the the year before that I actually did yeah. get to the semi-finals. Mm. Oh yeah yeah. Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> what I would like to say is that I actually think that the audience were lucky that they didn't get to see more of me, you know? <laughs> yeah. We were, we're in Faux King's number. And I was gonna be in yours, but you decided you were... it was too much of a faux pas. Uh, I think it was because I had the the joke was to have you and bring you back to pull the head off another baby, and then uh, Miss Penny T was just like, "No, don't, don't do that. Don't pull babies' heads off." But it's not drag idol without child abuse. Exactly. I, I stamped on a baby in mine, actually. Uh-huh. To be fair, <laughs> it, it, it's quite good that I've kind of made a name for myself, like just to go with it. And now people are kind of discovering me through my new stuff. Mm-hmm. I like to think I've matured recently. Cough, cough, not no, no longer being a dick on social media. Um, so it's just nice that people are kind of like talking to me and kind of like saying, hey, no, I know you. I know you, Miss Penny Press, you bastard. So for the contestants that unfortunately didn't make it through this week, have you got any advice for them? Oh, easy. Like, don't be disheartened that you've left the competition because this is a springboard for you to go on to do greater things. Absolutely. Like, I look at myself from about two years ago and I was like, oh, shit, my makeup's shocking. And I look at myself today and I think... Oh shit, your makeup's shocking. But <laughs> I do it with a little bit more finesse, a bit more confidence, and I just have a laugh of it. Like, yeah, last year things went wrong for me, and I got booted off week one. Mm-hmm. But I've managed to have little things come up here and there. Mm. Uh, we even have it to um, Linda's farm. Yes! Uh, how good was that? That was such an amazing opportunity. I think that's probably the highlight of my. I would only say drag career. Drag <laughs> career makes it sound like I'm actually making money. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's literally you're going out with a few friends, camping, using toilets which are full of shit. Yeah. Like trying Although to touch the anything. worst thing was realising that we actually had access to the VIP <gasps> toilets and showers on the last fucking day. And we were just like, for fuck's <sighs> sake. I was fuming. I was fuming. <laughs> but yeah. Can I just say that let drag be a place for you to develop? Because the way that drag has changed me has been way more ways than just, you know, doing a bit more like for performance stuff and maybe exercising a bit through dance, you know? It's been a place where I've met such lovely people and such awful people as, as well, Velvet. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> when you look at the Newcastle scene, what have we got? We've got Drag Idol, we've got Vampus Tits, we've got Sunday Night Live. I was going to say Saturday yeah. Night Live, but that's the American <laughs> yeah. one. Um, and there's whole host of charity events. Can I just quickly mention the DGA, which has been doing wonderful stuff kind of away from the scene a little bit yeah. to help people kind of develop on their own terms, you know? If you think the opportunities aren't there for you on the scene, just look a little further afield, they are there. And there you have it. Week two of Drag Idol 2020. I've been made to correct myself that this was actually week two and that last week's show was week one, part two. So there you go. It's very confusing. So we'll be next... We'll be week three next week? Hmm... I've been the Velvet Snatch, and you've been listening to Little Girl from Bad Wear Day. Get all your drag and LGBT merch from badwearday.com and search for Drag Idol 2020 on YouTube from Thursday to see the performances in full. Otherwise, meet myself and Theresa May at Central Bar from 7pm on Sunday for the next week of the competition, where the theme is show tunes. Goodbye.